Thank you, Dan. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Kim, and I'm so excited to be here with you on Mother's Day and celebrate God's design for moms. You know, there were some questions asked of some little second graders, and their, their answers were so entertaining. I just want to start by sharing these with you. They were asked, why did God make mothers? Well, she's the only one who knows where the scotch tape is. <laughs> yeah, my house, it seems like that's pretty true. What kind of a little girl was your mother? Well, I don't know because I wasn't there, but my guess would be pretty bossy. <laughs> Why did your mom marry your dad? Well, my grandma says mom didn't have her thinking cap on. <laughs> what did your mom need to know about your dad before she married him? Well, does he make at least $800 a year? Did he say no to drugs and yes to chores? <laughs> what would it take to make your mom perfect? Well, on the inside, she's already perfect. But on the outside, I think some kind of plastic surgery. <laughs> what does your mom do in her spare time? Moms don't do spare time, right? <laughs> Right, and we are here to celebrate you today, moms, and we're going to do that. But listen, part of being the church is doing the tender work of recognizing all of our different experiences. And like Ron prayed, for, for some of us today, days like this can highlight the pain in our lives. For those of you who are feeling that today, we just want you to know that we care, that we're really glad you're here. Maybe today is hard because you have said goodbye to your mom, or maybe you have gone through the agony of losing a child. Or maybe mothering is really difficult because you do have a wandering child, or maybe you just had a painful relationship with your mom. Maybe you're a single mom, and that's just hard, and, or maybe you're waiting for the day when you could become a mother. Whatever reason makes today hard for you, we want you to know that we love you, and we're glad you're here today. Part of being the church is that we walk together through the hard days as well as the easy days, and that's true on Mother's Day. But we all want to find a way this morning to encourage the mothers among us. And it's evident to me from looking at the books that keep coming out that people need encouragement. Folks are facing burnout, and they're discouraged, facing stress. Like, look at this title here. Stress less for women. I think most of us women could use that. And here's one. It says, 30-minute therapy for anxiety. And I just love the subtitle of this book. It, it would just be perfect for the harried mom. It says, everything you need to know in the least amount of time. You know, moms are like, I need help and give it to me now, now, now. There's probably great advice for us in books like this. But you know, Paul in the Bible takes us to a place where we can find some deeper, more lasting help. So I want to ask you to read this verse out loud with me from Ephesians. You ready? Go. I pray you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now that word filled there is a continuous action verb, and it means that you'll be filled continually, daily filled, getting your tank topped off with the power that comes from God. Now moms... I have a question for you. How many of you, be honest now, how many have ever found yourself stressed out by your children? Okay, now I have a question. 
How many of you here have a mom? Okay, yeah. Now, how many of you, be honest, have ever been the source of stress to your mom? All right, we've all found ways to stress our moms out. So this morning, we're going to talk about how we can lift her up and encourage her and help her get her tank filled. And you might want to write this down. So here's the outline that you got in your program. I want to encourage you to write some stuff down because, you know, these are ways that you can help your mom, the moms you know, maybe the mom of your kids. Pastor Tom Holliday, like Ron said, did a survey down at Saddleback Church, and he came back with a list of things that moms say that they need. And we're going to take a look at just the top four things this morning. So here we go. What moms need and how you can help. First of all, moms need appreciation. They need appreciation. There's a beautiful passage in Proverbs all about this. It says this, Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Now that city gate, what's that about? That was like the town hall where important people hung out. And what this is saying is that it's okay for us to brag on our moms or on the moms of our kids. The Bible teaches that it's good to honor mothers and to tell others what you appreciate about this woman in your life. It says in Ephesians, honor your father and mother that it may go well with you. You see, there's a blessing associated with honoring your father and mother. Even the smallest amount of honor that we can give someone else, it's good for our souls. Recently, I got to go um, home to Orlando, and I was so proud of my mom because we pulled this uh, reunion together with a group of friends that I went to high school with. So here's a picture of us in her living room, and, and I couldn't get my mom to step into the picture because she's camera shy. That's the mother of a friend of mine, but you know, I was so proud of her. I sat back in awe, and I watched while she guided the conversation among these friends that we had not seen in 30 years. I beamed with pride over this woman that God has given me as a mom because she taught me so much about relating to people. It's good to honor our moms. Today is set aside for us to do just that, but what about the other 364 days of the year? We wanted to find out from some real moms, so we gathered together a panel of mothers from Twin Cities Church, all across the spectrum, from moms of of young people all the way up to grandma. We asked them, what makes you feel appreciated and honored as a mom? Here's what the real housewives of Nevada County said. I'm Melissa Cookson. I have two young daughters. One is two, her name is Olivia, and the second one is Alexia, and she's five. And I'm Wendy, and I have, uh, Jake is 23. He's away at, um, at school in the University of Arizona. And um, I have Josh, he's 20. He's up in Oregon going to school. And I have Christina, who's in high school. And I have Joey, who's in junior high. Wow. And I'm married to Mike. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm Bobsy. 
and I have a boy and a girl. Jamie will be 55. Randy will be 58. Oh. What am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember any of that when how I was supposed to. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, they're great kids, and um, and I'm married mm -hmm. to my husband for 62 years. Wow, so, wow, wow. maybe permanent. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I'm Laurel and I have a 18 year old son Sam getting ready to graduate and a 14 year old daughter Grace who's a freshman and I'm married to Mark for almost 23 years and I think he is a keeper. He's a keeper. Alexi and I were walking along once and we heard sirens and she said, Mom, what what are those what do those sirens mean? Mm -hmm. And I said, Well, it's probably some someone probably hurt and you know, we should pray for the people going out to protect them or pray for the people who are in an accident or mm -hmm. something happened to them. And so we stopped and we said a quick little prayer and well, I said a quick mm -hmm. little prayer. And when we were done she said, Mom, I wanna pray like you. Oh, oh wow. wow. Really? <laughs> crying in public. What are you doing? My 13-year-old Joey, he's just such a cuddle bug. And so he doesn't matter, you know, he doesn't care who we're by or, or who we're around. He'll just hop up and sit on my lap and snuggle in. And so at church when you know we're together and he's just snuggling into me and, and someone next to me said, you know, that's that's a pretty special yeah. thing. How old is your son? And I said, Oh, he's thirteen, you know, and they said, Wow, you know, most thirteen year olds aren't so so uh, displaying in their affection. My son was probably, I don't know, thirty five. His kids were young and uh, he said, Mom, you know what? Remember how you used to handle Jamie and I and deal with us and everything? And I said, uh, yeah, what are you getting at, son? And he says, well, you know, I'm going through the same thing now, and I remember how you did it. And he said, I'm doing it the same way, and it seems to be working. So I felt kind of honored that he wanted to, he came back to tell me, and he was older. I mean, yeah. I just had a significant birthday a couple months ago. Oh. Which and one was it? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll find out in a second because I'm going to recite a poem that my son wrote for me. Oh, my whoa. son, who's very, he's rather stoic and he doesn't um, express Emotion. too much. I told him, don't, I'd rather have you write something than buy something. Mm -hmm. And so my daughter wrote this amazing piece of prose that was so um, insightful and it, it, it just, it really touched my heart because it was all about how safe she feels with me. And then my son, he made a card too. And he wrote, <laughs> um, and I have it memorized. Um, Roses are red, violets are blue, um, birthdays are nifty, you're turning 50. <laughs> I was like, that was the most he's ever written. <laughs> Did you hear how much it meant to those moms to just hear from their kids, you know, whether it was from simple poetry to beautiful prose or telling mom what she did right or sitting on her lap, you know, don't miss the chance today to tell and affirm the mom in your life about what she means to you. Tell her thank you. 
Now, it's one thing to say thank you, and it's another thing to say, I thank God for you. And that's the key in these next verses from Paul. And on your outline, in Philippians and Colossians, it says to thank God for her, for specific things about her, and pray for her. Did you hear that? That's really key. While we're appreciating moms, we need to pray for them. Write that down. You might want to say to me, though, what do I pray for? Well, that's the next three things we're going to look at this morning. Here's something you can pray about, okay? Number two is that moms need help with worry. God has such a sense of humor and timing and prompting me to think about these things because we're getting ready to launch our firstborn. So I'm having, having flashbacks, you know, about his blonde curls when he was a little toddler, about putting sunscreen on his chubby little body. I remember <laughs> bouts with poison oak, you know, because he'd been building a fort and out in the brush again. I remember repainting his room when he was out of town and discovering pellet gun holes in his ceiling. <laughs> All the praying I did for that boy, starting before his birth, you know, doctoring wounds, protecting him, guiding him, and I'm holding my breath a lot these days, and I'm telling God that I'm letting go, although about every other day, my fingers have to be pried off of him. It's like a card I bought for a friend once who was having a baby. I went to buy her a card, but what I found was so true for me, I just had to buy it for me. I remember it said this, to have a child means you get to watch your heart walk around outside of your body forever. That was so true for me. It's like your heart is on the loose when the object of your love is growing and launching beyond your ability to control every detail. But that's an illusion, isn't it? I mean, I could never control every detail of my children's lives. They were never ours in the first place. Now, sometimes, as a result, we moms are tempted to worry. And I know that that's like the understatement of the century. So what's a mom to do? Well, God knows this about us mothers, and this is what the Bible says to us in Philippians. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So mothers, what are we to do with these verses when we're tempted to worry? I talked to a mom just last week, a friend of mine, who said it's so hard for her to let go of her worry over her son because she doesn't want to see him hurt or experience pain. And every mom in this room knows what that worry feels like because we just tend to think of all pain as bad. But God has a better and different perspective. Let me ask it this way. Have you ever thought about worry as just self-talk? you know, but faith is God talk. So when I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm tempted to start marinating and worry, you know what I've noticed? Instead of the monologue where I just start stewing in all the what ifs and the if onlys, if instead of that, if I take these verses and I begin to interact with what God has said, then suddenly that monologue gets changed into a dialogue. So for that mom who's worried about her son, or for any of us, that dialogue could go something like this. Dear God, I'm kind of anxious. 
don't worry about anything. Yeah, I, I wouldn't worry, but you know, this is kind of a big deal about anything. Well, I know you said that, God, but you don't understand. I mean, this thing that my son is facing, you know, it, it's like potentially hazardous. Remember, I told you, pray about everything. So tell me, what, what is it about the situation that you're afraid of? Well, God, I, I just don't want him to hurt, you know? Like, I, I'm seeing, though, that the way he's headed, there's pain on the horizon. And? And, well, when he hurts, I hurt, and I don't like it. Well, what happened for you the last time I allowed pain in your life? Well, it hurt. It hurt, and I, and I hated it. Well, did anything good come of it? Well, yeah, now that you mention it, you know, I, I grew a lot, even though it wasn't fun. Well, was the pain worth it? Well, now that... Now that you mention it, I, I actually should thank you because, you know, I learned that I'm absolutely desperate for you, God, and I've never been the same. Well, do you think that I might be able to do something for your son if he were to encounter some pain? Something good? Well, yeah, I, I guess you could do that, and maybe even without my help. So since I've got him safe in my hands, do you mind if I do something for you? Well, what's that, God? Would you allow me to give you peace? Well, that, that doesn't make sense. I mean, why would I be peaceful at a time like this? That's why I call it a peace that's beyond anything that you can understand. You see... When we take these verses and begin to interact with them, when we believe what God has said, when we understand his heart, he challenges us to turn this into a conversation with him. But some of you are saying, Kim, you're nuts. I can't talk to God like I talk to my best friend. Well, you know, that's exactly what I keep sensing God challenging me to do. Because you and I, we get to choose what we're going to cogitate, ruminate, and meditate on. It's going to be either our worry or the truth. And when we take his truth, what we find is we open ourselves up to hear him right in the middle of a sleepless night. Remind us that he's at work in ways that we could never see. For me, next thing I know, it's morning because he's given me peace. So I want to challenge you moms. These verses from Philippians are great advice for you and me. So I would challenge you to commit them to memory. So the next time you need them, they're right there ready to go. It'll give you peace. Well, the next thing moms need is patience. How many moms agree with that? Patience, yeah. Maybe you saw the bumper sticker I saw about a segment of parenting that totally requires patience. It said this, Teenagers, tired of your parents hassling you? Now is the time for action. Leave home while you still know everything. <laughs> That's a time for patience. So I asked our panel, though. I wanted to hear from them. Tell us about a time when you needed patience. Let's hear what they said. My patience gets tested 
on an everyday level. Mm -hmm. They're toddlers, and yes. Alexia was about three or so, and you know she's testing the waters, and mm -hmm. so she was put on timeout, mm -hmm. and she had to go sit in her room, and you know I'm storming around, still you know my heart's <laughs> racing. I'm thinking I can't believe I even have to do this, and I hear her singing. And so I walk over into the hallway, and she's singing, you never listen to me. <laughs> she's mocking me. <laughs> I had one, maybe I am learning how to be a mom moment with my son Joey. I was out for an evening um, at a class, and um, he called panicked, Mom, I tried to make popcorn. <laughs> It burned in the pan. Oh. I think I ruined the pan. Oh. And you know, I'm trying to, you know, okay, I gotta go, I gotta go, you know, and hang up. And then I get this next panic call. Mom, I dropped your iPad on the oh, oh, no. It doesn't work. Oh. oh and goodness. and I was so happy that I finally learned I didn't yell at him. Oh, I didn't God. scream at her. Girl. I said, I'll be right Girl. home. He got home, I just gave him a big hug and I said, tough. Yeah, tough night. <laughs> and I thought, you know, he, he needed my love and finally I've learned maybe I did put myself in his shoes. He was terrified. He felt sure terrible. He, he didn't need me coming down on him. Right. He needed There you go. He yeah. needed comfort yeah. and love first. Because yeah. they do keep things. The pan is now clean. The iPad was fixed. Mm. Actually not even not even I pictured it shattered. It yeah. wasn't shattered. <laughs> it was fixable. And you know, he got that love instead yeah. of wrath. Gracie was only, she wasn't even a year old yet, she was just a few months old and terribly sick. She had a terrible fever and it was Mother's Day and I just, it's, I was just, I felt so bad for her but she was looking miserable and she hadn't been sick before and she was just a little pitiful thing and she um, proceeded to throw up on me while I was holding her. And I've had that happen a lot of times. Uh -huh. yeah. Well, she threw up probably five times on oh, me. I thought, well, it's better on me. I'm easier to wash than the sofa. <laughs> and then, I, so I stood outside and just let her barf all over. <laughs> and I, then I realized, you know, it is Mother's Day. <laughs> I really feel like a mom. Like I'm baptized in barf or something. <laughs> the kids were always at my house. All yeah. the neighbors' kids yeah. were always at my house. My house was always open. Yeah. And I think the main reason, because I used to buy Oreo cookies by the gross. <laughs> <laughs> cookies but always my house was, in. the kids were always, and you know, I never realized that until some of my neighbors that who are up here now, I said, weren't they ever over at your house? And one of my neighbors said, oh no, my, my husband, like, things neat, so. Oh, the kids weren't there, so. But it was fun for me because I, I like that. I, I like that being too. with them. It was a major thing for you girls. Have fun with them because yeah. pretty soon they're going to be gone. Yeah, yeah. Like mine are, and I don't see them. But when I do see them, it's still fun. Yeah. yeah. But you don't see them very much once they're on their own and they have their own families and their own mm. their own careers. So enjoy them while they're young, girls. I'll yeah. tell you, because yeah. it goes by. Yeah. It goes by in a flash. Yeah. You know. Words of wisdom. I love Bob C. She's been so significant to me and my family, my kids, and what she just said there about how life goes by in a flash, that has implications for why we need to develop and practice patience. But how many of you could resonate with that line, baptized in barf? Okay, <laughs> that's a privilege most moms get to experience.
Well, you and I need patience with each other because none of us is perfect. Look at this equation. People plus proximity equals irritation. That's just true. It's true in a job. It's true in a college situation like a dorm room. It's especially true in a family. You know, even God feels this way. Look at Psalm 78. It says, yet though he did all this for them, talking about the Israelites, they continued to test his patience. God gets it. You know, if even God finds that his patience gets tested and he's perfect, then are you surprised that yours does? Here's a verse we can find wisdom in. I want to ask if you'll read it out loud with me again. This is from Ephesians also. Ready? Go. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Would you circle that last phrase? Because of your love. Patience doesn't mean a lack of irritation. Some parents feel guilty because they get irritated with their kids. But it's normal. They're irritating. (laughs) So are you and I at times, right? Patience doesn't mean that people don't drive you crazy. It means that you choose to love. And in the Bible, love is not an emotion. Love is a choice. And I find this really encouraging because it means that I can choose to act patiently It doesn't mean that I do it perfectly every time, but I'm learning what patience is. Patience is holding your tongue even when you are irritated. It's not being so serene that nothing ever irritates you. You can get that from taking a pill. That's not called patience. That's called being drugged. Now, there's there's another thing, though, that moms need. Moms need rest. The survey at Saddleback showed that moms are dealing with the twin emotions of exhaustion and guilt. Exhaustion because they feel like they're doing too much, and guilt because they feel like they're never doing enough. And that is such a trap. It's like this sentimental Chinese proverb that said this, God knew he couldn't be everywhere, so he made mothers. Yikes! (laughs) That's just sentiment, and it says that it It it, it just sounds nice, doesn't it? A nice way to honor mom, but nice words are not always true. I mean, that's a lie about both God and moms, isn't it? It's a trap because moms need a rest. Don't feel guilty about that. Even Jesus needed to rest. Sometimes a physical rest and sometimes a soul rest. Look at this picture on a mom's refrigerator of her schedule. This woman's kids are three and five. Some of you are thinking, I've been in your kitchen looking at your schedule. I'm afraid it looks too much like mine as well. You know, we need to make time for a physical rest. This is not something just for moms to get a hold on for their own sake, but also for the sake of their kids. Listen to this letter that a pastor received from a gal in his church. Dear Pastor, I can't remember the last time I felt refreshed and rested. There are too many activities, too many responsibilities, too many decisions. And when I look around, I see that everybody is overloaded. This is madness. It can't be God's will for our lives. I really want to learn how to relax, not just for my own health, but because I can see that my kids are learning the same crazy lifestyle. That mom's right. 
Kids are growing up with too much stress. Kids are learning how to be workaholics in today's culture. Children have never been busier in any human society. In fact, there are cultural anthropologists that are studying how it's going to turn out for today's kids. Listen, God is not pro-exhaustion. Listen to how Jesus said it. In John 10, he says, My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's what Jesus intends for you and your family. A rich, satisfying able to breathe life, even through the demands of everyday life. We're talking about a soul rest, making it a priority. Some of you might have heard of a woman named Susanna Wesley. She and her pastor husband raised 10 kids, and her kids grew up to make a difference in this world. Two of them you might have heard of, Charles Wesley and John Wesley, became founders in the Methodist movement and have have won tens of thousands of people to Christ. But when those kids were younger, this mom, Susanna, knew she needed time alone with Jesus Christ. And you can imagine, with 10 kids surrounding her, how hard it was for her to find room or space to be alone. So what those kids became accustomed to seeing was mom taking her apron and putting it up over her head. And when they saw that, they knew what it meant. They knew that mom is spending time alone with Jesus. And if you interrupt mom when she's spending time alone with Jesus, you will go to see Jesus. (laughs) That's a creative way to get some rest, isn't it? Help moms do that. Help them find ways to rest physically and spiritually. Maybe you know of a mother who needs a rest. Maybe just a meal out or maybe an overnighter, maybe even a weekend, especially for our single moms. I don't know how they do it. I challenge you to give that mom a rest, that mom that you're thinking of. Move beyond a hug. You know, a hug is nice, but do you know what's better? A break. This is what sets the church apart from another self-help book about managing stress. Be that in-the-trenches, hands-on kind of friend that helps that mom get a rest. Now, mothers, we've been talking to everybody else so far about what they can do to help you get your tank filled. But right now, I want to talk straight to you. Because there is an aspect of soul rest that nobody else can provide except you. And I brought along a prop today to help illustrate it. What do you see when you look in the mirror? The good news is you're a lot more than what you see when you look in the mirror. You are more than the number of heads you turn. You are more than the meals you put together. You are more than how clean your house is. You are more than the number of titles that you collect. When you look in the mirror, what do you say to the woman looking back at you? Do you say, you count? Do you say, you matter? Now, women, I'm talking to you right now. And guys, you can just tune out, okay? Maybe this is your moment to text to Ron, you know, what you think a guy needs. This is your moment. But girls, this is the bomb if you want some soul rest. I want to ask you to fill in this blank, okay? When you look in the mirror, I want you to think, I only count when, hmm, fill in that blank. In your mind, 
when it occurs to you, you might want to write it down. Here's, here's some examples of what women often might say to that. I only count when I please others. I only count when I'm doing something for others. I only count when I'm beautiful. I only count when I'm in control. I only count when I keep everything smooth. I only count when I'm doing everything I can possibly do. Do any of those resonate with you? However you fill in that blank, you know what? It becomes your life theme, and you're living it every day. It determines what you do, what you think and feel. It determines how hard your internal motor has to work. It even determines how much of a rest is possible for you, an internal soul rest, because those are the ideas that you repeat to yourself subconsciously and believe with all your heart. And the reason that I'm so passionate about this, moms, is that I used to be totally ruled by this mandate that said that I only counted if I pleased others, if I held the world together single-handedly, if I poured myself into bed every night with not an ounce of energy left. I would have denied that I believed I was God. But it took for me the pain of deteriorating health before I began to really give up the job. When my daughter with Jordan was three, she was so cute, and she still is. But she gave me permission to share about the day that I took nine-year-old Ryan and three-year-old Jordan into a shoe store with the intention of buying Ryan some shoes. Now, it became a therapy session for me, or at least a moment to discuss in therapy. Jordan was extremely active. No, no, that's understated. I was chasing her around the store, okay? At the same time, I was trying to talk to Ryan and the shoe salesman about some shoes. Now, keep in mind that my MO is to be a pleaser, okay? I try to placate the little one. I keep wearing a smile for the salesman. Try not to get in the way of the other customers, you know? Trying to help Ryan have his need met. And all the while... Her demands are getting louder, and my composure is beginning to unravel. You know, as hard as I was trying to hold it together, I was losing to the three-year-old. So finally, I took her over to one of those little stools, and I sat her down there, and I told her firmly not to get up. Well, she crossed her arms with a humph. She stuck her lip out, and in her loudest three-year-old voice, I mean, she sounded like the commander of a warship. She said, I'm not happy. <laughs> the whole place went silent. I mean, the salesmen, the other customers, they were all holding their breath, <clears throat> trying to hold back laughter. And what happened for me in that moment was like a ray of light from heaven shining into my pleaser brain like for the first time. Some of you are going to think this is crazy, but I'm trying to tell you how a pleaser thinks. Jordan was declaring that she wasn't happy, but it finally dawned on me with all these unbiased witnesses looking on that it wasn't my job to keep her happy. You know, it, I could see that even though she was unhappy, that the misery of the rest of humanity was a greater concern in that moment. 
I even saw that I had no control over how happy the other customers were or how pleased the salesman was with me over how I handled my little urchin. It's no indictment on Jordan. I mean, she was three. She was being told to sit down and not get up. Would you be happy? But somewhere, I had come to believe that I only counted if I kept everyone happy, that my value was based on how much I pleased all the folks around me. Her words, I'm not happy, kept ringing in my head as I left the store that day. And I knew I had done the right thing to corral the kid, but I also was recognizing that I was powerless to guarantee anybody's happiness. What's the mirror saying to you? Do you only count when everybody's happy? Maybe for you it's something entirely different. Do you only count when you look like a magazine model? Do you only count when your kids are a success? Do you only count when your house is spotless? Do you only count when you're in control? When we look in the mirror and we think, I only count if I do this or that, however you filled in that blank, we're trying to earn what can only be received as a gift our lovableness. I'm going to say that again. We're trying to earn what can only be received as a gift. So whatever you wrote down, a need to control or keep everybody happy or be right or or be beautiful, I invite you today to just recognize that subconscious theme, that exhausting assignment that runs through your head, and just begin to get honest with God about that. And rest. Rest in his love for you. You see, it'll wear you out trying to fill in that blank all the time. Because it's a heavy burden. It'll make you weary because it's a pursuit that is never done. Look at how Jesus said it in Matthew 11. He says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So this is the starting point. Come to Jesus. You're not going to find rest in a program or a plan, but in a person. He says, come to me. He doesn't even say, come to church or come to a, a seminar or a meeting. He says, come to me. He doesn't say, go to the mirror and try to get yourself together so you're going to count. No. He says, this is why I died for you, because you do count. Jesus is calling any woman, regardless of her age, marital status, attractiveness, body image, mirror image, childbearing capacity, to lay down this effort, this burden. You see, you're going to discover rest for your soul. And at the same time, you're going to learn that you're in for an adventure of becoming the person God created you to be. And whether you're a woman or a man today, if you have never responded to this call through Jesus to be forgiven through his death and to take up the adventure of following Christ as the ultimate calling on your life, today would be a great day to do that. This is rest for your soul, deeper than any physical rest, Come to Jesus and bathe in his unconditional love, his grace, and be filled up with the power of God. Know that you count. 
Let's pray together this morning. Lord, I'm grateful to you for the gift of motherhood. It was your idea. We thank you for the moms in this room and for every mother, every individual mom who is represented here. Thank you for her, and we pray for your rich blessings on them today. We ask that you'd help all of us, Lord, to know how we can express to our moms honor, appreciation, recognition for all that she has meant in our lives. Maybe some of us will need to to just do something in memory of mom today, or maybe some of us, for the very first time, get to reach out to mom and just express our love. Maybe you're a woman here, younger or older. Maybe you're a man, and you're recognizing the messages that have been um, circulating your mind about your value or about your worth, what you've been believing about that. Maybe you'd like to just turn this into a prayer, this recognition this morning, and say to God, Lord, I pray that you would help me to bring you these exhausting assignments that I have been believing. I thank you, Jesus, for your unconditional, senseless, ridiculous love that you displayed on the cross for me. I thank you, Lord, that I can receive that love without any earning needed. I thank you for the gift, and I reach out this morning and I take it. Teach me how to rest in you and help me to walk in the power that comes from God. It's in the strong name of Jesus we pray this morning. Amen.